endless possibilities with Catherine Dean. This afternoon I have with me on endless possibilities, I have Ken Rutherford. You may have heard of Ken with cricket, but now he's come into the Hawkesbury to join us to head up the Hawkesbury Race Club. How are you today, Ken? Yeah, good, thank you, Catherine. Very good indeed, thanks. That's great. So you, you cricket and then race club, I suppose it's sport and sport, so we've got that the same, haven't we? Yeah, well, I guess when you when you're playing a bit of cricket uh, for as long as I did, um, you, you have a bit of downtime. Uh, mm. One thing you do as a cricketer, particularly as a batsman, as poor as I was in quality, you, you fail quite a lot. So you tend to sit back <laughs> in the dressing room and uh, and watch uh, the others get runs. And uh, when you're sitting down watching the others get runs in the dressing room with your feet up, mm. I tend to have a a form guide with me with a transistor radio, listen to the races. So. I don't know, well, misspent do youth. Didn't you? That's right, misspent youth and all of that, Catherine. So uh, I've always had a, a passion for horse racing and, and the industry as a whole. And um, and I guess it's when I finished playing my career, career through my sort of mid thirties, uh, I kind of the back of my mind thought it'd be quite cool to get involved with with the industry of horse racing or wagering. So that's what I've done. So did you do that like after after you finished up as captain? You then went to South Africa, did you, to, um, what, captain or play cricket there? And then I think, did you go over to, was it, I'm trying to think of what I read, you went and then did coaching for, was it Ireland or something like yeah, that? Yeah, no, you're right. I've, I've, I've been wow. a bit of an all-rounder. I've been a, a yeah. bit of an all-rounder. I actually confused myself. I've been... Uh, I've gone through about three different passports, I think, Catherine, in the last uh, 20 <laughs> years or so. Um, yeah, so I finished playing for New Zealand when, actually when I was 29, so I was quite young. Um, mm. And I played my last test match in about 1994, and mm. I got an offer to go and play uh, pr- uh, provincial cricket in South Africa for mm. Transvaal in the time, which is now called Hauteng, which is mm. uh, the province based around Johannesburg in South Africa. So I went over there to captain their provincial side for a couple of years. Yeah. And end up staying for seven. Oh, so, okay. uh, and during that time, just just loved the country and loved the people, and uh, and got involved in a bit of horse racing and a bit of media and a mm. bit of broadcasting over there, as well as finishing my cricket career mm. into two thousand two thousand and one. And so, I sort of played cricket over there in the summer, which is the same as our summer, obviously, Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. And for the last couple of years of my time there, I also went to Ireland and uh, coached the Irish cricket team. And yeah. Mark War actually came over for a, for a couple of weeks and was our professional yeah, in a couple of matches. So, yeah, um, yeah no, it was it was a good time. I, 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 I guess what I found in my couple of seasons coaching the Irish cricket team, Catherine, was that I lacked the patience and tolerance required to be a cricket coach, quite frankly. So, <laughs> hence, I, hence uh, another fork in my career began in terms of horse racing. Yeah. Uh, did you want to get in and actually play the game instead of coaching them? Yeah, it was a bit of that. So I was still playing in South Africa. So I, I guess that was part of the frustration where, mm. you know, the, the the fact that I could go out there and probably play reasonably well still, mm. uh, I couldn't quite understand how some of my players couldn't probably do the same kind yeah. of job out there in the paddock. So they had its frustrations. But mm. no, look, the Irish career team, obviously, in the last uh, 10 years, I mean, they're a fully-fledged test-playing nation now, believe yeah, it or not. Wow. So they've come on leaps and bounds since uh, K.R. Rutherford coached them in 2000, <laughs> Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, though, Ken, did you have this from your childhood cricket? Was it something that you grew up with? Like, was it a thing of your family or did you sort of jump aside from that and, you know, follow a career that was what you thought? 
That's that's a good question. My my daughter, who's you think she's year twelve over here, but she's year thirteen. years on the last year at school mm. at Cambridge High School in the Waikato. She's doing a sports science module at the moment. Where part of it is looking at the reasons why you know good sports people become good sports people. And mm. you there? Yep, we're back again. We're back uh, again. We are. So you were saying your daughter was doing a sports science, was it? Yeah, that's right. It was about the reasons why top-class sports people or sports people play whatever sports they ch ch choose. And a, a big part of it is, is family. And uh, from a young age, my older brother, got an older brother who's eight years older than me, and he's he was a good sportsman, a good cricketer, and a good football player, soccer player. And mm -hmm. I guess as a young brother, you, you aspire to do what your older brother's yeah. uh, pretty good at. And uh, that was a big part of it for me from a, a young age was playing cricket. So were your parents in like involved as parents taking to matches and things, both you, but were they either sports people minded? No, not really, to be honest with you. My, my father was very much into his football. Um, I'm, I'm from Stoic Scottish stock uh, <laughs> from Aberdeen, originally up in the northeast of, of Scotland. And uh, mm. he was, you know, cricket was anatomy to, to him, really. It was, it was yeah. more the football and and, and watching uh, watching his three sons play play soccer, so cricket was very much uh, kind of a genteel English kind yeah. of game by by yes. comparison. So certainly from the parents' perspective, no, not, not really cricket much, but uh, but certainly football. Your son is playing cricket, isn't he? Yeah, Hamish. Uh, he, he's played fourteen tests for New Zealand. He's played first class cricket since he was twentyish, nineteen. Uh, he's thirty one now. He's just had a contract. Uh, with Worcestershire and England playing county cricket, which of course okay. with COVID has been put on hold with the COVID situation, but mm. he's hoping to go over to England the next uh, couple of months to, to play the latter part of their, their summer. So it's actually quite sort of, it's in your family, isn't it? I mean, like you said, your daughter's doing that sports science and this must be very fascinating for her to have her brother also, you know, in the sports you were and like how you established. So it'd be fascinating really. Yeah, I, I guess, as I say, you, you have your role models and, and family situations and, and things like that and people that you know well and, and, you, and you aspire to, to, to do what they do and it's, it's, it's I guess, part of the, their behaviour. And, uh, um, you know, in terms of my son Hamish's case, one of the first things he ever did was was, was hit, a, hit a ball around with a, with a little cricket bat, a little sawn-down yeah. cricket bat. And uh, yeah. likewise, with a little sawn-down golf club, he's pretty good at golf as well, as is uh -huh. my daughter Holly, uh, who we're talking about. So... Um, yeah, I, I guess children growing up, they, they want to be like dad or they want yeah. to follow their big brother and uh, mm. it's, it's kind of natural, I suppose. Mm. So what was your highlight then, Ken, in your cricket career? What would you say was the moment that stands out? I'm sure you've been asked this question so many times. Um, I have been and, and I'm pretty, I'm always sort of stuck on the same answer, to be honest, Catherine. So yeah. I'll, I'll have another crack at it and repeat it. Yeah. I, I think when, you, when, you, when you're playing for New Zealand as in, in test cricket, um, it's, it's obviously the pinnacle for a New Zealand cricketer to play yes. uh, with, with, with your white, whites on and with your baggy yeah. black cap rather than your baggy green as you have in Australia. And yeah. whenever you win a test match, and particularly whenever you win a test match overseas, so... Yeah. I remember we went to Bombay in the old days, Mumbai now, in 1988, and we won a test match against India mm. in Mumbai in, in, in the days of non-neutral umpires with two domestic Indian umpires, which was pretty tough. Yeah. And uh, in a really strong Indian side with Kapil Dev and uh, others, Dilip Vinsaka and mm. 
yeah. and guys are that great players. And to go over there in that kind of cauldron with a packed house for five days at the at the stadium in, 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 in Mumbai was was pretty special. We, we also won a test at Johannesburg in 1994 mm. um, against the South Africans who had just come out of uh, from apartheid isolation and uh, to beat them in the home patch was was pretty special. So whenever whenever I was part of a New Zealand side which mm. went overseas and it was it managed to beat a side overseas was was probably a highlight. Yeah, it's um all the people you mentioned. I've always been a very keen cricket follow well you know watcher. Uh, and I always just love the cricket. It's something at summertime it goes on and it doesn't come off. And still today in the family, even though the children are gone now, it's something I'm still just enjoy watching. So, you know, it's um, it, it, uh, it it's a basis that you had. And then from that, you moved on straight into the racing, was it? Or how did you move from that? Yeah, pretty much, Catherine. I, I got a job after I finished my playing days in, in South Africa. I got a job back at the TAB, the TAB in, uh, in Wellington in New Zealand, uh, doing a bit of bookmaking with them and sports betting. So mm. that was kind of the start of the whole process of developing a, 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 a career in, in that particular industry and, and really enjoyed that. Um, the, the industry in New Zealand's going through a few bad times at the moment, but mm. I'm sure they'll, they'll pull out of it. And, yeah. uh, so I've got a bit of a grounding in, in, in the bookmaking side of things in terms of, of, of fixed odds betting and uh, and then got an offer to go to Singapore actually for five years. I went there yeah. 2006 to 2010-ish around then yeah. and once again involved in, in, in sports betting, football betting over there, which is huge. Yeah, that's, that's um, so and then of course you, you finally end up uh, around at the Hawkesbury. I mean, it's not like you're in the city, you're out the outskirts of Sydney, but even though it's a lovely area out here. Um, it is. It, it, how do you find it? Do you like it out here? I do. It's it's not too dissimilar to where I come from in New Zealand. I mentioned mm. Cambridge and the Waikato. Cambridge is a, well, it's a growing town now, but it's, mm. it's I guess, 12,000 people. Um, it's very agricultural. It's, mm. uh, it's actually a, a bit of a hotbed of uh, thoroughbred breeding in, in New Zealand. Um, mm. So there's a lot of horsey equine kind of folk around the, the environs of Cambridge, which yeah. is not too dissimilar to parts of the Hawkesbury. So, no, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it is kind of more rural than urban, and that's what I like. I mean, even growing up, uh, as I did in Dunedin, Dunedin's, uh, I guess, a city by New Zealand standards, but mm. not by, not probably by world standards, to be honest, Catherine. So, yeah. um, you know, I'd probably enjoy the kind of rural side of things more, more than the urban side of things. So I, I like to think I'm fitting quite nicely here. It's uh, things like the Hawkesbury Race Club and then you've got the Hawkesbury Showground, we've got the RAF mm. and we've got the Polo and we've got some strong, very strong things in the Hawkesbury that really centre people as far as community. And, I, I mean, I know that the Race Club has been, is community-minded. I'm aware of that. But uh, I think it's always good when you have these very strong elements in a community. It keeps employment going it's yep. um great for even the social aspect of people being able to get out and go to the races and not have to go into rose hill or out to work farm or wherever mm. they have to so um do you when you took over from um doing the doing this seo what, what did you think uh ceo sorry about that um what was the thing that you actually wanted to sort of your aims for it was it Anything to take it to another point, or what, what's what's your vision? 
Well, you can't stand still in, 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 no. in, in anything, really, can you? You've always got to try and keep moving forward. And as, mm. as much as people believe things stay the same, they don't. They, they do keep evolving. I think what we've seen over the last two or three months with the COVID crisis is, is that businesses, whether they be not-for-profits or, or very much for-profit, uh, mm. are, are, are bound to look at the way they do things and bound to look yeah. at evolving with this new cliche, which is fast becoming a... a a, a, a statement about our, our new normal was the thing, isn't yeah. it, Catherine? New normal. Yeah. So, and we're no different to any other business, Catherine, whereby we're examining the way we do things. And yeah. um, it's, I'm really interested what you initially said about community, and uh, you're 100% correct. This is very much a, uh, a kind of a um, its own little community in a very big part of, of northwestern Sydney, isn't it? Where yes, uh, it has some very tr- strong traits of family and strong traits of of being together and you know having a having a a conscience which is very collective. So that's something which I actually think the race club has, has lost a bit. I, th- I think it's uh, the race club over perhaps the last two or three years, and no criticism to anyone. Yeah. Um, I think it has lost a bit of connection with the community. So that's something I'm very, very keen to mm. to try and look at and look at ways of reconnecting. And uh, I think you'll find as we come out of this COVID crisis that a lot of our promotions will be around you know, getting people back to the course who, who yeah. maybe haven't been here for a few years. You know, you, yeah. racing's interesting. It's, mm. it's, 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 it's got its purists and it's got its mm. hardened supporters who... Mm. They're you know, quite happy to turn up for a, with a cold pie and a warm beer, and they'll still have yeah. a reasonable day at the races, quite frankly, mm-hmm. Catherine. But mm-hmm. you know that's not what it's about for everyone now, and it's not mm-hmm. just about the betting either. It's about the, the the horse flesh out on out on view, out on the track. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if we can attract more non-punters mm-hmm. and more people who aren't necessarily industry folk mm-hmm. in terms of horse racing and get them back to the track, uh, then I, th- I think as a CEO of a race club, I'll be doing my job rather well. Yeah. I think that would be wonderful, really, because I do, I, I agree with you. I think uh, in some ways uh, the Hawkesbury Race Club did sort of go on maybe a pathway of looking at the, the, the uh, Rose Hill races and the Warwick Farms and all those ones and more trying to be a part of them than being a part of the community that they're in. And uh, I'm not trying to criticise either. It's no. just an observation. And, I mean, if you're at a point where you're looking and thinking, well, we, reach, we need to re-establish back into their community or get the community re-established, get that connection flow again. Yeah, no, you're right. And, look, look we've, we've developed some of our rooms, refurbished some of our rooms and lounges over the last uh, six to 12 months or longer, and um, not many people know that. So it's... No. it's, it's and it's about, you know, I think the point I'm, I'm trying to make is we're marking ourselves to the wider community, not just to a niche of the community, which might be more yeah. corporate and, and yeah. more based closer mm. to the to the main part of Sydney, perhaps. Uh, yeah. uh, we want we want to be part of the community. We are part of the community. And we've got, right. uh, if, we, if we've got some ground to make up, we'll do our best to make that up. Yeah, that sounds good. It sounds exciting what you might have planned for the Hawkesbury. We might be able to get some updates from you every now and then. So you know, we can sort of look at what we can do for the race club as the race club's helping the community. I think it'd be wonderful. Um, so with the COVID situation then, Ken, that uh, race has kept going, but well, it would have been really different. Like it's been different for every industry. Yeah. Uh, there's um, like even now that we're all starting back up again in certain things, that restrictions of this and the distancing and all that. Um, and, you know, it's, 
Like, how do you see that moving forward? Have you got a date for the races to reopen up for the public or not? Yeah, look, we it's, it's, a, it's a moving target, Catherine. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's yeah. it's... It's interesting to see what's happening in New Zealand at the moment. New Zealand's basically got no cases, and oh, no. My, my beloved Otago Highlanders and the rugby are playing uh, the Chiefs on Saturday night, and it's going to be a full house at mm. Forsyth Bar Stadium in Dunedin. So that's mm. that's amazing, the progress mm. that's been made there. And I, mm. I get the feeling we're, we're probably a month or two behind that to get a mm. you know a full house to the races, but mm. we're not far behind. And uh, at, at Ramwick last Saturday, they allowed... I think it was around 50 owners to, to have a hospitality package at the races mm. that mm. day. They allowed the owners per race to come in for that particular mm. race to watch their horse run, then mm. they had to leave. But mm. So the small steps being made, and, we, we, and you, you know that heard in our NRL are looking to to have you know good crowds by, by the start of August. So mm. um, we, we're very hopeful of, of by probably a similar time frame around the start of August to, to allowing... Yeah a very, very strong portion of our support back to back to the course. It might start off being a few members for a start and might, yeah. might be a few of the sponsors, a few of the owners, yeah. but slowly but surely, as long as things are progressing on the right track, uh, I think you'll find that, um, as I say, by, by the start of August, maybe into spring, uh, we'll, we'll have pretty much the full uh, quota of, of our supporters back on track. Well, look, that's absolutely great, that, and it's good to know, you know, that, you know, who you are and it's good for the Hawkesbury to know who you are too and who's heading up the race club now. I appreciate the time you've had today, Ken, to spend with me to talk about it. And hopefully in the future we might be able to catch up again and see what the race club's doing and what we can do to get the involvement in the community. I look forward to that, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ken.